Dream Warriors, thank you for joining me. We are gearing up. We're we're winding down here, but we're we're not really winding down. We're sprinting towards the finish line because it is day 30 of the 31 days of dread. If you're not familiar with it, 31 Days of Dread is the Dream Warriors podcast annual event where we do one horror movie a day for the entire month of October in celebration of Halloween. And we have the end of one of our through lines, The Bride of Frankenstein. It's from 1935. Don't let an old movie scare you. This one's a gem. We're going to get into it. Let's hit that music and go. I just want to thank you again for joining me. Uh, I'm Peter, a.k.a. Pad, Peter A. DeLuca, your host, your horror expert, aficionado, obsessive, geek, grown man. Yes, grown men can discover things later in life. And I, I feel in the last two years, with Lacer's 31 Days of Dread, the 2017 version, uh, I, I discovered horror movies. And uh, it wasn't until this year... Uh, I was actually able to watch multiple horror movies without having the um, the effects of the movie kind of get into my uh, like almost like consciousness. Uh, I, I, I just felt weird. I didn't feel right watching all of those movies a year ago, and uh, you know, like now, I, I guess maybe I understand the tropes and the beats and the different types of horror movies. Period. So well. Uh, there's a high level of anticipation, uh, and you know, like things just aren't catching me off guard as much as they did a year ago. Uh, you know, like even gore on screen, I normally cringe. I can't watch like bloody things, and you know, like I'm much better at it. But look, uh, if if you've been with us, uh, and I know a lot of you have, and I thank you so much because everything we've been doing for the 31 Days of Dread have uh it's it's been working uh you know all the um most of the social media accounts have grown the analytics have grown the streaming has grown and getting into the social media and the the things we can do through it so you can reach out to me you can talk to me uh dm comments messages uh there's all kinds of ways to reach me and we can do that on snapchat and twitter at aka pad Facebook and Instagram, aka Pad13, aka Pad69 on Xbox Live, because I'm always online playing Halo, because <laughs> I love Halo. Uh, Halo is the only game I play. Uh, and then there's additional ways to support the show financially, because there there's things I would love to do with extra funds, better equipment, always being the top one. Being able to travel, interview people, having people come here for interviews, and a little bit of a dish out to contributors that can, uh, you know, add some extra sauce to the show. Uh, look, there's a Patreon. You can donate monthly to the show. And, uh, and, you know, and look, when you donate to me on Patreon, you also fund my original comic book work and you fund my YouTube work. So it's it's major. And you can also purchase products and services on Etsy. And these are products and services created by me. Uh, you know, I have a history in logo design, web design. Uh, you know, uh, I somewhat, uh, you know, like consultant, consultancy, like all, all of those things. Because there, there's a wealth of knowledge. And 
you know, I pour it out there, and, and I and I want everyone to be affected by creation, by, by creating something themselves. Uh, my journey with Dream Warriors podcast is no different than that. You know, where uh, my passion and, and my love for this and everything else I'm doing on social media, uh, the content I'm making, the social media is just a way for me to channel what I'm creating. But I have, I have such a passion for it that I literally uh, don't have an off switch. I don't have a filter when uh, you know people are taking me away from it. And I definitely don't hold back when uh, people make promises to me. And I later, you know, like have to hound them or start to depend on them. I, I, I you know, like Thanos said it right in in uh, Infinity War uh, when he when he was looking at Gamora before he tossed her into that you know, <laughs> into that pit to get the Soul Stone. He stares right at her, and, and then th- 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 this is right before he's about to kill her. So it's maybe the best scene in the in any of the Marvel movies. He says, "I denied my destiny." once not again you know and then he, and he throws her in and gets the assault gem and then uh yeah i think at that point he goes to titan and whoops some ass but yeah so that's really how i feel um you know with everything and you know like i, I reached a point in life where you know look hey, having a stable nine to five to cover everything definitely helps um there's other you know businesses i'm involved in for revenue uh, you know, ones that I, I operate and, and own. So, you know, like, we don't have that problem anymore. So, I spend all of my spare time developing content, uh, running around Philly like a maniac because, you know, Dream Warrior, the Dream Warrior studio, the Dream Warrior's home base is in Center City, Philadelphia, probably the greatest city in the, in, in the entire world. Sorry, anyone that's listening worldwide, because I know we have a spike in international listeners. And oh my God, that alone drives me nuts because I love it. I just It just fuels me. Thank you so much for my international listeners. You guys, you guys are, are the props. Uh, high five to you. We're giving you a high five. But yeah, uh, so to make you familiar with a little bit of who I am, uh, so, you know, like, and if you're new to the show, where did the 30, 31 Days of Dread come from? Uh, I thought it would be very challenging to try a year ago, and my lack of knowledge uh, and instinct of horror movies, and when I say instinct, I mean when you're watching and you're processing a movie for the first time, there is, uh, there's a level of instinct that works through you where you... You, you've seen this before, you smelled that before, uh, you, you can see the beats of the story like as they're emerging and there's like a uh, more of an anticipation for what the hook and the gimmick is and it took me like even a while to develop those instincts and, and really enjoy horror, just like have a good time watching it. Uh, I'm very joyful when I watch horror movies. I wasn't that way a year ago. I was always actually um, tense and upset and look, to show you guys to illustrate what's happening last year the 31 days of dread actually rained to i believe november 11th okay uh this year the 31st episode the 31st day of the 31 days of dread will drop on the 31st oh excuse me it is a wednesday and that is going to be a netflix show 
the haunting of Hill House. So, and I can't wait to talk about that. Because I literally, with a female friend, watched that entirely through. Sat down for 10 straight hours and watched it all the way through. I never did that before in my entire life. It blew my mind. But we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. And look... And give, give you a little bit of a sketch. I'm t- uh, we're doing this later at night. This is a 10 p.m. recording. Uh, and it's going to release before 12. So we'll have also ep- you know day 30 on day 30. So we're talking The Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> Maybe like the first great sequel ever. Uh, and I didn't think that. I, I, I This movie came out in 1935. Its predecessor in 1931... Uh, Universal Pictures tried to streamline uh, a sequel, could not do it, couldn't get the story going, didn't get uh, like a good script, couldn't get someone behind it. Um, I think Frank Whale, right? Is that's that's our director, Frank Whale? Let me uh, James James Whale. I'm sorry, James Whale eventually comes back and does it. And I think between the two, he worked in like a movie of his own. This is common. We like saw this Michael Bay with the with the Transformer movies with Pain and Gain and the uh, Thirteen Hours. Uh, you know, it's the one for you, one for me attitude when we make deals, and that's the artists coming through. Uh, even people like Michael Bay are artists, so they want to do. You know, like every artist wants attention, so you want to do the Transformers, but then you need to to itch that. Uh, you know, like to. There's, you got to scratch that itch and that it's the, uh, hey, I'm a meaningful artist itch. And every single artist goes through it, including myself, not that I'm calling myself an artist. So it, it, The Bride of Frankenstein took traction, uh, you know, through the studio. It finally happened and, and, you know, look, it became a hit movie. Iconic scenes, uh, iconic scenes that were repeated uh, mimicked, mocked, made fun of, uh, iconicized. It goes on and on. But, but after 1935, history was made. I call this the, maybe the first great sequel ever. Uh, it should be number one on the sequel list because uh, people don't really put this movie in sequel arguments. I, look, everything comes down to Scream. If you watch the movie Scream and there's a conversation in the classroom and they're talking about, like, it's like, you know, high school film class. And, and this is part of what made Scream great. Because it was a little bit of the um, meta Tarantino movie dialogue. Like, the, you know, like the movie and the movie dialogue. And they're talking about sequels. And they're talking, like, Godfather 2, Terminator 2, and Aliens. And then someone's like, oh, someone's got a hard arm for, hard arm for James Cameron. Uh, yeah, and uh, those were like the the sequels at all, and you know you throw in Empire Strikes Back. So one one point, like in in all of it, you had one, like you you, you had. Let me slow it down. <laughs> at one point, we only had four sequels. We had The Godfather, Aliens, <laughs> Terminator Two, and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, and the sequels, even at that point, um, like that, I would challenge because I'm like again, always asking questions. Growing up, when I got into film, you know, when I built my epic uh, VHS collection before such a thing was such a thing, uh, you know, like I would kind of put, uh, oh my god, total brain fart, <laughs> uh, RoboCop two, 
in there, right? Great sequel. Caddyshack 2, I would put in there. Uh, because, you know, and people hate Caddyshack 2. I don't know why. That movie cracks me up. Um, you know, but, like, you know, through my, through these, like, formative years, uh, you know, like, I kept discovering sequels that, that I thought worked, that, that, that were fun. And at one point, like, even make the, the Caddyshack 2 argument, uh, it was it was almost like, holy crap. Uh, like, I never even saw Caddyshack 1 for years. Uh, I always watched 2 over 1. I'm I'm probably an outlier when it comes to that opinion, but and then like what happened was like sequels changed, sequels transformed, and they actually became useful. Okay, meaning that with X Men Two, Spider Man Two, uh, The Dark Knight, it goes on and on. Hey, I you can even argue, uh, you know, look, both movies have trouble with the the villain at the end, but the Tim Burton Batman and you know, Batman 1989 and Batman Returns. There's so much about Batman Returns uh, that I'm always more drawn to. And, you know, you can make that Superman 2, you know, versus Superman 1. Like, we're talking like a very fine line. And so the business of the sequel, the idea of the sequel, like, emerged. And what happened was everyone started expecting sequels and, and expecting trilogy. So the, their expectations would go through the roof when um, sequels were announced. Uh, you know, look, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Iron Man 2, the, these, the, these um, Matrix Reloaded, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean the uh, Dead Man's Chest, right? The second one. Uh, you know, like, audiences continuously let themselves down on an epic standards. Now, those ones I just named... Maybe outside the Matrix, because I really understand that people do not like the Matrix, because that middle movie is really tough to follow, even though it, it has like fantastic action. Um, you know, all the all the other sequels are like I think they're pretty solid. Um, I love Iron Man two. Iron Man two and Iron Man one work so well together. Um, it's almost like one long movie, and there's tons of arguments <laughs> I can make around Iron Man, around like the the criticism. And this movie is very much the same. This movie picks up right where Frankenstein left off. So we have Frankenstein ends. Uh, you know, it's it's the flaming windmill. The windmill crumbles, okay, <laughs> and and boom, we roll the credits, and this movie ends equally as abrupt. It, it, the lightning strikes the laboratory, the laboratory crumbles, and we cut to the credits, and it's it, the endings are so beautiful because it's just like boom, bang, we're done, we're out of here. It's no, um, the, you know, there's no remembrance, there's no reflection, there's no lesson, is that it is over, and it feels like a ride. It literally feels like a roller coaster. The roller coaster just stops, and I like it. I would love to see some people uh, return to that and experiment with it. Um, nowadays, everything ends with a sequel. <laughs> and, and But this is the part of what makes uh, perfect endings. Like, it... Look, it follows perfect ending. We really aren't sure that if that monster is dead, it could be coming back. There's a movie called Invitation, again, leading into a sequel. Um, Upgrade, again, fantastic movie, leading into a sequel. Um, the filmmakers today are so wise to this, and they, they perfect it. Uh, and they know how to use it, and I love seeing it. And, and again, too, like, audience expectations have shifted. So, 
filmmakers are always leaving a door open for a part two. So this movie, okay, Bride of Frankenstein, as soon as the movie starts rolling, just visually, I mean, it, it looks just, again, like four years ago, it looks just like... The 1935 looks just like 1931. Uh, it has the same visual flavor. Now, the first, I would say, 20 minutes of this movie are are absolutely rough. Uh, they are. It's hard to follow. There's new characters, new ideas, new concepts, um, and there's like you know revelations. And we'll just look. Those are platitudes, but it's kind of like um, you know the movie kind of introduces. Uh, these ideas of like super explained like uh, movie science versus the movie science from the the original. So Frankenstein, when he created Frankenstein's monster, the science is very loose. Um, the the creation of the monster is very loose, and that's where it works. Okay, that plays to the favor of the audience and to the filmmaker. Because we're kind of filling in blanks and we're asking all these questions. And, and that's where so much of it is is intriguing. With that being said, <laughs> this movie ex- over-explains some, some, some of the newer science elements to the point where you're just like, huh? What? And, and look, uh, there's a, a weird part in this movie where people are in glass jars. And they're fully formed people that were created through cell manipulation, and it's it's the god complex, it's the god argument that is um, prevalent in the the Frankenstein lore and mythology, and we expect it. You know, when we watch Frankenstein, we want the the, the god argument. We, we 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 actually want the presence of God within Frankenstein. That's what makes it um, resonate. That that's what connects it to us, uh, and. We get a little too much of that. So, and we have like a, a an over the top gypsy girl that is just like always screaming. I nearly stopped this movie a couple times. I had to uh, try and watch it at least three times to get past like the first twenty minutes. Once the movie gets rolling, okay, uh, and I completely like forgot about this um, because I'm so used to Young Frankenstein. But the the blind man. The cabin, the violin, the music soothing the beast, the blind man being kind to the monster, teaching him words, showing him life, uh, giving, you know, like showing him that there is this other window, there's this other path. Uh, It completely moves the movie and and solidifies and crystallizes it and makes you forget about the beginning. And then, like, at that point, we're marching towards the creation of the bride. And the the re... um, the, the reunion of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. So, like, the movies somewhat are in the march. Uh, we have Frankenstein's monster in all of these uh, newer, interesting positions. You know, he's in different environments. He's in the cave. He's 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 in water again. Um, you know, there's more interactions, and you you feel sorry for the monster because you see that he's just being hunted. The entire like country is looking for him, very much like the Invisible Man. Like everyone's aware that this creature is out there, which which again makes it so much more um, enjoyable. And and the, the one thing that this movie does that did for me, I call it the Rocky Four effect. When people ima- if you haven't seen a Rocky movie, you imagine it as Rocky Four. You it, you imagine it as this bravado grinding uh you know 22 500 round fight of guys just punching the crap out of one another being jacked and being ripped 
what we don't think of if we haven't seen the Rocky movies is Rocky 1, 2, and 3, which is the rise and fall of a champion, the the, the loss of millions, the, the loss of a, of a relationship and, and the connection towards people and, and how fame manipulates and, and, and controls you and actually uh, takes more away at times than it gives. The, the, this is the hubris of the Rocky arc in one, two, and three. It's it's probably one of the greatest trilogies. Rocky two, also um, great sequel. Okay, well, going back to that sequel argument, uh, I kind of prefer Rocky two over Rocky one. I'm sorry, uh, you know Rocky one, two, and three, fantastic arc. Wrath of Khan two. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going on and on here. Wrath of Khan, you know, again like early sequel discussion right there. But no, so. When we think of a Frankenstein movie, we're actually imagining Frankenstein, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, and not Frankenstein, because the the creature and the tortured soul of the creature and the acting and Boris Karloff is more Frankenstein in this movie than Frankenstein itself. Okay, this is a Frankenstein movie. Frankenstein, okay, nineteen thirty-two is or 1931 is a um it's it's a beginning it, it introduces you these concepts and the sequel pushes those concepts like you know into a uh, cultural realm i'll say uh you know by cultural i, I mean like we uh there's elements there that we immediately relate ourselves to okay but yeah so i don't know i completely love this movie i loved every single universal monster movie that we had during the 31 days of dread uh going back to 2007 it was day 30 i did dracula then i did stranger things season two um dracula blew me away this year day two started uh you know i day one i did the purge but day two i did creature from the black lagoon then i did frankenstein uh, then I did the Invisible Man, and uh, the, no, then Wolfman, Invisible Man, and then the Mummy, and then this. Um, so now I'm like into the, the, the sequels. And look, uh, I didn't make an episode of it, but I did even do the 1925 Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> the silent movie, which is a two-hour movie. Uh, I did that to understand more of the 1989 remake or update with Robert England and you know that was also this year on the 31 days of dread but no to just be perfectly clear there is so much to gain from these black and white universal monster movies because they're minimal movies they're pushing an hour sometimes a little bit over and they they uh, illustrate to us the, how little you need to tell a story, how little characters you need to tell a story, how little of a set you need to to create your world in. And and today, you know, we, we got college kids with, with green making green screen movies. Period. Okay, it's it's fantastic. So if you're into film, if you're into storytelling, if you're into creating things, these movies are a blueprint to how much you can do with very little. And look. I'll leave you guys with that. Go out there, create, uh, just start something. Who cares uh, if it turns out good or not? Just start something and put it out in the world. Start a Tumblr, create a Tumblr account, and just blog every day. Who cares? You know, hey, have you ever seen the Social Network movie? I love the part where uh, Zuckerberg is live blogging 
<laughs> as he's coding, uh, you know, or he's cracking into, uh, he's hacking the entire network, okay? It's a wonderful, wonderful scene. I love it so much. It always inspires me. But look, everyone, tomorrow is the final day, day 31 of the 31 Days of Dread. Uh, we're going to do a conversation, one of the greatest horror stories I've ever seen, the greatest haunted stories I've ever seen. This one's going to be tough to top moving forward probably for a very long time it is in contention with uh, american horror story season one though because i kind of i kind of like american horror story season one a little bit we're talking more about that look rock and roll i love you until next time until tomorrow Hey, Dream Warriors, thank you for joining me. If you haven't been keeping track, if you haven't already read the headline of the... Oh, 